The following podcast is sponsored by StructureTech. Climate zones are very important, Mm -hmm. especially if you're in Minnesota where we build the hottest hot and the coldest cold. So Mm -hmm. we're, we're unique in how we build compared to a lot of other climate zones. Welcome everybody to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, your host, alongside co-host Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. And today in the studio, we have a guest with us, Ross Anderson. Ross is a indoor air quality expert. Is that fair to say, Ross? That Go ahead and introduce yourself if you'd like. That sounds great. That sounds great. I like that a lot. <laughs> and you're also the president of the Minnesota Building Performance Association? Correct. Minnesota Building Performance Association. Just a bunch of geeks from the University of Minnesota, Department of Commerce, a lot of energy testing companies, HERS Raiders, sit around and talk about building science and Get excited. <laughs> awesome. We joined. Are we the only home inspection company you in are. there? Yes. You are the okay. only home inspection company, which right. is, which is a little disappointing. So Tess is our resident building science expert on the podcast, but we brought Ross in to talk about HRVs, ERVs, and I expect a full-on geek fest to happen here in about 15 or 20 seconds. So uh, <laughs> I'm just going to unload and let you two go at it, right? Let's talk about indoor air quality. Well, and, and so much more. Because, Ross, aren't you working with a lot of new construction builders and doing energy rating stuff? Correct, yeah. So we do probably about 2,000 home energy ratings on new construction projects a year. So I get to see a lot of different homes from big customs to Mm -hmm. to small uh, production builders. So we get to see all the, the whole gambit and help them try to build better homes. And explain kind of the the testing that you have to do because you're doing you're doing hers ratings you're doing blower doors what else so hers rating basically in layman's terms is kind of a miles per gallon for the house it gives a new construction house and existing homes it gives it a miles per gallon score the scoring system is zero to two three hundred zero would be like a net zero energy home and it can actually go negative so if you do have solar or, mm-hmm. or wind on site you could actually go negative and sell power back to the grid okay so. So we use a lot of acronyms around here. Does HERS stand for something? Yeah, it's it's the Home Energy Rating Score is basically what a HERS score is. Gotcha. Great. So it's just the score that we as raters give a house, and it's built on a metric. So the uh, energy efficiency of the appliances in the house, the heating system, how efficient and how the the building shell is, the R values in the walls, how efficient the windows are, it all kind of goes into the final calculation to give it that energy score. Very good. I believe I had my home tested and received a HERS rating of feels like it was in the 80s 1941 house in St. Paul that is an excellent score so 100 is kind of the the national standard if your home was built to the 2006 energy code so nationally this is a score nationally and it varies by climate zone so a Minnesota house score of 40 would be a little bit different than a Florida house score of 40 but the goal is that you you score by climate zone so as you're comparing homes I wouldn't compare a 40 in Minnesota to a 40 in in Florida but uh, you know in this climate zone which was six or seven for the Department of Energy which kind of gets nerdy but in the end more or less what we're saying is this miles per gallon score is what we're looking for. So if 100 is the 2006 and lower is better, I always say like golf, the the lower Mm -hmm. the score. Fortunately, my game is not that way, but (laughs) lower the score, the better. An 80 would be actually really good, especially for that year, because the average one I see right now is about a 50 and that's new construction where you get to do a brand new out of the box. So that's actually pretty excellent for an older home. Well, it may have been 18. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) 
I just threw a number out to get the conversation going. <laughs> and the guy who did it, Tressie, you train with him, Bruce Stahlberg. And I oh, know yeah, Bruce, Bruce is a part of the, the building performance. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a fantastic guy. And I asked him that question, what does this mean? And he said, well, it depends. He gave me the standard answer. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful it answer. It's a beautiful answer. And the score, the score is nice. The score kind of gives you a little comparison. So as as it's getting more popular and, the, and it's there's actually a national Raider registry now for new construction homes. So you can actually go on the ResNet website. ResNet is the oversight and actually find out if your home has a HER score. It's all on there now. So it's really cool. And especially if you're buying a house, you can find out what it originally was rated at and what the metrics were on the house when it was built. So, so you and botanists kind of have a similar... <laughs> Interest in climate zones, right? Correct. <laughs> climate zones are very important, mm-hmm. especially if you're in Minnesota where we build the hottest hot and the coldest cold. So mm-hmm. we're, we're unique in how we build compared to a lot of other climate zones. Can you dig into that for a second? And just why are we so unusual up here? Well, we have a lot of humidity. We have very cold winters, record cold winters quite often. And in the summertime, we're 100 plus degrees for, you know, some two to three weeks at a time. So now you have to build a building shell that can manage extreme amounts of moisture, extreme cold and extreme warm temperatures. And so we don't just get to easily do an Alaska home where we're mostly cold or a a Florida home where you're mostly warm or even an Arizona climate where you're really warm and dry. And so you're really just managing one aspect of the build. So Minnesota, we have a tough road ahead of us to build a decent house that's going to last longer than 20, 30 years. Okay, so... If you do it wrong, we're looking at 20 or 30 years on the on the high side? I would say, yeah. Great. Well, at least everybody knows what they're doing and we don't have any <laughs> challenges. So I was going to ask, Ross, you know, you work with a lot of builders in new construction. So, I mean, building these houses is not easy. What are the most common things that these builders struggle with that you see while they're building these houses? Well, I think the, the most common thing that builders struggle with would be educating each individual trade on how important they are to the building shell and how the building is constructed. So if you are concentrating on really getting a tight, well-constructed building shell and your electrician comes in and punches a bunch of holes and doesn't doesn't insulate or the plumber does some stuff that he doesn't understand or people are drilling through different things, just making sure you're managing all that. And, and honestly, with the labor shortage in the construction mm-hmm. industry, we're seeing you know, job superintendents stretched and not able to visit their job sites as much as they probably would like to, to stay on top of that. So that's probably builder side, Mm -hmm. something they would be concerned about. I mean, land prices, and we can get into a lot of other things, make it difficult for builders to to be price conscious. So they have Mm -hmm. to to bid down their prices and get the lowest bidder in, and people are asking for price per square foot. And sometimes they don't think they know what they're asking for when they ask for that, Mm -hmm. because that pushes that builder into that lowest bidder realm so that he can compete and sell houses. So, you know, I think that that's probably the biggest challenge builders have. Which is not educating all the different trades and letting them know how important their role is in energy efficiency. Correct. And building performance. Building performance and comfort and all of it. All of it. It's like, you know, we've got all these different trades and they're they're disconnected. No one communicates. And so things get missed. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. 100%. I think to one of the builder's faults is a builder will design a house or an architect will design Mm -hmm. a house and then he gives the plan to the HVAC guy and he says, all right, I need you to get, here's your mechanical room down in this Mm -hmm. far corner. 
and now you need to heat the room that's up bonus over the garage, and that has to be the right temperature. But you have to get over these six beams and around these four curves yep. and make airflow go there. And then the plumber's got to somehow get his piping over there, and the electrician's got to maneuver mm-hmm. his stuff around. Mm-hmm. And they're all fighting for space mm-hmm. and fighting for capital inside the building. It's really good. If you find a builder that has a team that they've worked with for many years and all work together well, the odds of you having a really mm-hmm. good house in the end are much, much higher for sure. Boy, this is yeah. good stuff. But my head now is filling with questions. I can feel it <laughs> swelling as we're sitting here. <laughs> we're going to step away for just a minute. But when we get back, let's dig into this indoor air quality topic a little bit. And Ross piqued my attention at a training event that happened a couple years ago. And uh, that's why we called him in. And so let's talk about indoor air quality when we get back. Hi, everybody. Ruben Saltzman here with the Structure Talk podcast. We talk a lot about education on our podcast because this is one of our core values here at StructureTech. To prove how important this is to us, we actually teach free continuing education classes to real estate agents all over the Twin Cities. We've been doing this for years, and we have classes ranging from one to four hours in length. These classes are taught by both me and Tessa. And if you're interested in having us come out to teach at your office, all you need to do is visit our website, click on the education tab, and you can see instructions on how to get us out to your office. And you can also see a calendar of upcoming events. If you're interested in having us come out, please visit our website at structuretech1.com. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. And we're having a conversation today with Ross Anderson. And Ross, please tell me your company. The company that I currently work for and do HERS ratings and energy testing for new construction is the Energy Network Worldwide. Worldwide, we added because we thought we would be cool, I guess. And, <laughs> but we're currently Minnesota only. Dream big, I think mm-hmm. that's the goal. So. We could do the same, you guys. So what Structure do you think? Tech Structure one, Tech Worldwide. www.com. Worldwide. Structure Tech Worldwide. <laughs> it's taking me back to my youth of the Saturday morning worldwide of sports. Yeah, there sure. you go. <laughs> okay, we digress. All right. So two, probably three years back, Ross did a training session for HVAC technicians, which we are not as home inspectors, but some of us home inspectors showed up that day and you were talking about HRVs, ERVs, and these great little mechanical boxes that sit in the basements of new mechanical rooms and houses and you mentioned one thing and it just like struck me and you talked about houses are never static you can't just build it and set it up and expect it to perform like that forever and you said that you at times will come into people's houses and try to set up their house according to how they live in their house Take us through why that's important. Well, I think if your home has an ERV or HRV, and it's one's called an energy recovery ventilator, it, it manages a little more moisture and, and humidity, where the heat recovery ventilators is basically just recovering heat. If you go back to the reason why we're putting those in now, it's because the thought process for the energy code nationally, and especially in Minnesota, is the tighter the building shell, 
the more energy efficient the home will be. If you don't have the air, the warm air rising and leaking out the attic, in turn trying to balance the pressure to pull the cold air in, older, leakier homes, obviously you feel that draft constantly. Yes. So you're constantly running your furnace. The tighter the building shell that you have on the house, the less the furnace runs, right? And so that's that's the goal. We want the furnace to run least as possible. We want the heat to stay in the house or the air conditioning to stay inside the house. That being said, the other stuff we trap inside is all the moisture. As we breathe, cook, clean, shower, we create a bunch of moisture in the house. And now we've trapped all that moisture inside the house also. So the ventilation systems were put in place to help manage that moisture that's in the house. Now, I laugh because quite often I see older couples building these houses I call their pyramid which would be the, you know, eight bedroom monster house that they're building at the end of their life. And it's a couple that lives in this house and the house is set up to ventilate for eight bedrooms and two people live there. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a house that's set, the, I think not to get too techy, but the code is oh, we like bedrooms, bedrooms plus one. So it's ventilating for, you know, if it's eight bedrooms, it's ventilating for nine people. Okay. Right. And you have two people that live there you're overventilating this house, you're getting quite a lot of ventilation. So being able to ramp that ventilation down is is something you'd want to manage. And vice versa, if you have a house where you have a lot of family members, I always laugh because my house, at Christmas time, we will have all my in-laws from South Dakota come in and I have 16 people now staying in my house, crammed in there for a weekend and my windows will be raining water. Mm-hmm, yeah. So my ventilation strategy is go around and crank every bath fan on and tell everybody, leave them on, right? Yeah. So that's our ventilation strategy for the weekend. But you when they HRV all leave- at your house? I don't. I okay. don't. My house is built in the 90s. Doesn't quite need one. It, as I do more improvements, it will. Mm-hmm. But if you had one, you would crank that all the way up to high as soon as got over. 100%. Okay. Yep. And, and actually, windows are a great way to manage your, your moisture in your house. As you see the windows start to get moisture on them and beat up, turn your, if you have an HRV or ERV, I would turn it up. And then as that dries out, you can, you can bring it back down. But to your point earlier, 100%. People move in and it might have been a six-bedroom house that had six people living in it. And now the new homeowners are just two people in this beautiful big house. And that ventilation system is running constantly for six people and that's how it was set up by the builder and that's how they leave it and if you if you don't need it that high now you're actually wasting energy by running that thing a lot more go ahead i have a question go ruben knows too i know you do too bill okay so you guys don't have to raise your hand (laughs) nobody can see it otherwise we all talk at the same time (laughs) i'm claiming the floor space you know so how many how many of the builders that you work with because you how many builders do you work with you said probably well we do two thousand homes i'd say we probably work with you know 40 builders in town okay that's a lot of builders how many of them understand the calculations that go into figuring out how much ventilation a house needs and understand that and understand how the system works and can explain that to their clients. Very few, if any. The builders I work with, we try to put together a strategy so that when they hand off the house to the new homeowner, whoever it is, that they actually have a, a strategy of how they're going to tell the people about that. Because now that you have this super tight house, that, that piece of equipment that no one grew up with, mm-hmm. no one's ever seen before, all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's in their house and they go down and look at it. I always tell a funny story in my presentations. It's a true story. A good friend of mine built a $1.2 million house. He calls me up and his windows are raining water and he's going to sue the builder. And the builder put terrible windows in mm-hmm. his house and middle of winter. And I'm like, wow, okay. So I go over. First thing I do is beeline to the mechanical room, mm-hmm. go down mm-hmm. there and there's yeah. that plug in just Not waving in the wind. In. Not even plugged in. Yeah. Yeah. And I ask him, I say, 
is this how you got the house? Yeah. Because he's only been there for six months. Yeah. No, no, that thing just brings cold air in the house. So I just unplugged it. What do I need that for? Right. And so well, that's. Oh. So and he just, probably oh, had his oh, April air turned yourself? way up too. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't very happy. He was like, I think he was kind of excited to sue his builder. But anyways, oh, in the yeah. end, it was his fault. But it's yeah. really the builder's fault for not, educating, not educating him yeah. on how it works, right? That's awesome information. I love these conversations. But we're going to step aside for just a second. And when we come back, we're going to get to Ruben's question. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. Hi, everyone. Bill Ulrich from Structure Talk. We talk a lot about maintenance on the podcast. If you're like me, I'd rather be doing anything other than maintaining my house. Problem is, my neglectful nature can bring unexpected surprises. So what's a fantasy football fan like me to do? Punt! That's why I recommend Cura Home Maintenance. They actually like home maintenance, and they're happy to do it for you. For a couple dollars a day, they'll keep your home on track. They free you up to enjoy your weekends. Check them out at curahome.com. That's K-U-R-A home.com. Got to get back to the game. Thank you, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. I'm Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. So Ruben, you had a question for Ross. So what's the magic number that everybody should set their HRV or ERV <laughs> to, Ross? Oh, that is my favorite question because every builder would do that if there was a magic answer. The best answer is you're just going to have to live in your house and figure out how it works the best because some of the issues we run into are as ERVs and HRVs are installed, the basic mechanics behind it is it's a box that brings air into the house, fresh air from outside, while mm-hmm. it exhausts the stale air out of the house. As the stale air leaves, it pre-warms that cold air as it comes in. So you're not getting the blast of cold air directly into the house. Now, that being said, over time, they plug and the intakes get dirty and people don't clean the filters just like they don't change their furnace filters. Mm -hmm. So if you said 20%, 30% or however the gauge was set is the number and no one's changing the filter or doing anything, it should probably be 50 or 60% as as it's ramping up. So winter is really crucial. Really paying attention to the moisture on the windows and that frosting going Mm -hmm. on is really what I would pay the most attention to. Just kind of a no-brainer, easy way to kind of monitor how your home lives. I always tell builders they're building Ferraris now, right? Mm-hmm. People people in the day, we all used to build Ford trucks and we could change the oil and do all the work on them. Now we're building these high, high-powered high mm-hmm. Ferraris and people don't know how to change them and they don't know what to do with them and they're just not educated enough on on what to do with these with these And they're a lot houses. more sensitive too. Unbelievably mm-hmm. sensitive. Would it be fair to paraphrase to say, if you got an HRV, run it at the minimum setting it takes to prevent condensation at your windows? That sounds perfect. That would okay. be a great rule of thumb just because they do use energy. And the more often they're running, they will tax your energy bill. So if you're running them at high all the time, you're going to have an energy penalty for that. Mm-hmm. And and you'll get over drying and you'll have issues with your hardwood floors and cracking and other things like that. There's kind of some unintended consequences of over ventilating your house. Yep. But underventilating is obviously where you're going to run into some of the mold, moisture, and other issues. So what's the ideal humidity level to keep your house at during the winter? <laughs> oh, what a great question, Ruben. I would say the most humidity you can handle with without wrecking your house. So Perfect. You know, Perfect. I, there's a lot of people Depends that like the them very too. humid. Yeah, and if you have an older house that ventilates 
naturally it, the cold air outside is going to be a lot drier and you're going to feel drier. So I've been in a lot of older homes where they've had multiple humidifiers onto the furnace system, which scares me quite a bit. Yeah, but. me too. Yeah. Larry's raising his hand in the background. <laughs> We're currently in what, a 1910, 1905, 18 something? Okay. Wow, 1890. It ventilates well. Yeah. Let's just call they it do. that. It's a durable home too. Yes. Let's right. talk about Resilient. all these old houses with all this air leaking through the walls. It is very durable. Correct. you got a built-in drying dry. method. They dry out nicely. So if you're taking visual cues out the windows, are all windows created the same? And are the visual cues we're getting in my house the same as what we'd see in Ruben's house or Tess's house? I would say they're very similar. Okay. I mean, you're, you're looking at... So an R value, if you were to take the R value of a window, you're looking at the difference between, even if you have an extremely efficient window, it's probably an R7 or R8, unless you have a super passive house window that's R14. But the average window is probably an R3 or an R4, even if you go from a single pane, which nothing, to a double pane or something nowadays. The efficiencies of windows is more the air sealing with new windows than it is so much the R value or the glazing the glazing and stuff mm. on it, correct. They're still great and they're still quite a bit better than they used to be, but it's the air leakage and the air penetration. For so the we're not windows. making any adjustments if like the single panes are one way, you don't go, well, turn it down a little. We need less ventilation on that home. But I, I would bet that if you have single pane windows in your house, you probably don't have an each or year. Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. thanks for uh, bringing it uh, to real. But if you do, then that probably works just the same. I thought I needed one at one point, but somebody thankfully talked me out of it. Do you have bath fans and a kitchen vent? In That's your a whole house different too? conversation that we won't have on this. <laughs> That's so. a rabbit trail we could go down. Yes. yes. So Ross, what are some of the most common like warranty issues that you've seen working with new construction? Funny you bring that up. I always, in my little presentations, I always say it would be very interesting if people could test drive a house, mm-hmm. how much different houses would be built nowadays. If you could actually mm. test drive the house, live in it for a couple months mm-hmm. and say, huh, for some reason, these two bedrooms are not very warm and are very difficult to keep above 50 degrees or 60 degrees. Mm-hmm. They would change quite a bit. There's but it's always comfort. Better. It's always comfort, almost always comfort. The number one callbacks for people is comfort. If you have a major water leak or anything like that, that means there was a defect in something and that mm-hmm. usually gets fixed pretty easily. Uh, the comfort issues are the tough ones. They really mm-hmm. are. A great way a builder could build a house would be if they would all just meet at the beginning prior mm-hmm. to designing and everybody could get their area and their chases and have mm-hmm. them all pre mm-hmm. Homes would perform so much better, but it's just, it's not in the cards right now. But yeah, comfort, to answer your question, comfort's number one. And I laugh quite a bit because the bonus room over the garage usually is the master bedroom. Mm-hmm. The uh, least comfortable. Yeah. Room. When mom is not happy, then no one's happy. So <laughs> that's, that's the calls I get quite often. And you know what's fascinating to me is, and I've heard this a lot too, from people that have lived in new construction and they say, you know, well, this house, you know, it was built to code. So why am I having all these issues? Right? Yeah. No. And code, code does a really nice job of addressing safety and fire. They do not as good of an issue of, of addressing energy efficiency and, and comfort. Comfort is not even in the code. They really don't care if you're comfortable or not. It's more or less that. That would be something the builder and the HVAC contractor need to talk about. Building performance comfort. does not equate to passing code. No, and code really is, it's, it's just passing. 
right? Mm-hmm. We talk about it all the time, but you know, you don't want the doctor that has the just passing grade and code is just passing. There's quite a bit, yeah. there's quite a few things out there that you can do way above code and make your home really awesome. But because people don't ask for them or because they're expensive, they just don't happen. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I have to jump in because I feel like we're just scratching the surface on this whole thing. But Ross, we got to wrap up for today or for now. Can you please plug your website again? Plug MB. PA again, and where can everybody find this great information that they probably want to know? Yeah, so I think the best place is the MBPA, which is the Minnesota Building Performance Association, our nonprofit, which is mbpa.us. That's the best. It's just a conglomerate of really good information from the Department of Energy, University of Minnesota, a lot of good building science resources. And then my company is the Energy Network Worldwide, and we do new home energy testing. We work with a lot of new construction builders. That's really our main go-to. Outstanding. Well, you've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. Ross, I can't thank you enough. This is fantastic information. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech1.com.